Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to another episode of Mario's Minute. I'm your host, Mr. Mario 2011, and this is episode 26. In case you don't know, this is a monthly podcast I started doing well over two years ago now at this point, and I've been alternating where one month I'll have a guest on, another month I will just be solo, and this is going to be one of those solo episodes. Now, this is just a series that I started doing where I started talking about really whatever the hell I wanted to. If I want to rant about what was going on or deliver some news or talk about anything, this has just kind of been my outlet to do it. You see, on my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011, one thing I used to do a while ago was uh, gaming commentary videos where I would record gameplay of any game that I was playing and talk about live stories and all that stuff and, you know, just match it up to the gameplay. Uh, a lot of, I wouldn't even say a lot, there's still channels that do something like this, but it's largely an outdated format and it's just something that I really haven't done in a while. So it's not only a thing I don't do, it's actually a thing I miss just kind of, you know, talking to you all directly about whatever the hell I want to and telling some stories and stuff. So this is just kind of my outlet of doing it. And it's almost like I say normally, it's kind of going back to basics in a way where really it's just a podcast, just a long form audio file where you're talking about whatever the hell you want to. And then those gameplay commentaries were just short 5, 10, 15 minute versions of a podcast. And I'm just stretching that back out, going back to original form in a podcast. So this is one of the podcasts I do. Another podcast I do, which just made its return, is Mod Chat, where that is a more structured monthly podcast where, at least monthly, at least once a month, I would say, where that's where I talk about, you know, recent developments and stories and news articles and just things that I've seen in the modding world that I might want to talk about. I'm not going to talk about it all too much on here right now, uh, because I do have a segment I want to talk about later in this same episode. But regardless, those are a couple of the things I do. So if you want to check this or either of them out, you can check out Mario's Minute or Mod Chat on my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011, or you can subscribe on uh, most of your favorite podcasting apps and platforms. Just look up Mod Chat, one word, or Mario's Minute on whatever it is. Anyways, again, this is going to be a solo episode where I'm going to be talking about a few different things here. I have a small list I want to talk about, and I might even go into some older stories here that I want to discuss. So, first of all, I guess we're not going to be starting on the strongest things here, or I guess the most positive topic, I guess you can say. Uh, I want to talk about some car issues that I've been happening, that, that's been happening with me recently, and I've talked about some stuff that's happened with my girlfriend's car before, like looking for a car before for her and all that stuff, uh, but my car, it's a 2016, and I, I've only had two cars in my life, right? Uh, I originally had a 2000 Toyota Camry, absolutely loved that thing, but ended up getting rid of it because I didn't want to actually. My family kind of pushed me to get rid of it because they were just like, dude, this thing's turning into a money pit. Like, the car's not worth all that much, and then just to get it basic up and running, it'd be, need like $2,000 in repairs, and that would only possibly fix some of the major stuff that was wrong with it. It wouldn't fix any of the other things like, I don't know, it driving a little bit weird or pretty much near the end, only one of my windows is working properly and a few other issues that it was having. So 
I ended up getting in 2016, I ended up getting a 2016 Hyundai Sonata uh, because we've had pretty good luck with Hyundais and such, and I've been running into a few issues with it. Uh, the main one being, um, I want to say almost a year ago now at this point, I noticed it started consuming oil. I've had multiple people look at it. They said that it does, it, it, there are no external leaks, and that's about all we can do. And then if you take it to the dealer, which is what I do to get it serviced and such, they pretty much say, hey, we have to do an oil consumption test. And if it ends up failing that, we can replace your engine. I think it's a little bit frustrating. Personally, I, I, I guess it just kind of feels like, a, oh, hey, there's something wrong here. Let's just replace the engine as opposed to I, I would really rather them say, hey, let's open this up and we can possibly see what's going on here or what this thing is. It kind of seems like a... I, I don't know, I guess I'm not the most versatile person when it comes to car repair, but I guess if I'm equating this to repairing a PC, it's like, hey, there's a kind of common piece of spyware or adware that we can remove within an hour or so, but let's just wipe the operating system off the entire computer. Like, yeah, I know how to probably fix this, but let's just wipe the operating system. I don't know, that's how it feels, to me at least. I'm not an expert in this field, but that's how it feels to me. Either way, though, um, I've run into a few other things with it, and it's not even necessarily directly related to that, but I did want to share this experience with you all. So what ended up happening was I'm the type of person, look, I, I really don't do my maintenance on my car. I bring it in, I get it serviced, and then that's about it, and I just take care of it, and I drive it, and that seemed to work well enough for me. Um, I did have a second person look at this. It was actually the mechanic who we bought my girlfriend's car from. Uh, he's a very honest, real awesome dude, and I actually got his opinion. So he was like the second other person outside of a dealer to take a look at this, right? And what ended up happening was um, he, I, I just said, hey, this is what the dealership's telling me. Can you maybe take a look at this? And he looked at it and he pretty much told me factually, he's like, there are no external leaks on this. That's about all I can tell you without, you know, ripping apart, going into the engine and such, seeing what's going on. But since you already have your thing with Hyundai going on, you have your tests and all that that you're doing, I'm going to leave that alone. You deal with them because if I start messing with something, if I replace a part or what have you on here, they might try and use that to, you know, not get you to not get your warranty honored or not get your engine replaced or whatever it might be. And I said, you know what? Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll do the whole, com we'll comply by their rules. That That's all good. So it wasn't necessarily related to that. What ended up happening was I ended up having at that same time when I took it to the mechanic, uh, I ended up getting my tires balanced and rotated and all that stuff because he was saying, hey, your tires are running a little bit low on tread, but they can still work for a while now. Um, really, I would just recommend replacing them either before the next time it gets cold or before you take a long trip with this car, but you should be okay as long as we get you balance out, rotate, we'll be okay. And I really appreciate that honesty. So got all that done. And that that's, you know, that would normally be like a couple hundred bucks or so. And that's what it ended up being. So that week, it was like two or three days later, two or three days later, sometime after that, um, I had to drive to work that morning. 
And this was a little bit frustrating to me because it was, you know, horrible weather, it was icy, and with, with what I do for work, we actually have the ability to work from home, but we typically need the authorization for that. So there'll be an email that goes out early morning that says, hey, work from home, or hey, come into the office. And it was really frustrating because this day, and I will still stick by this, it was my opinion I, I typically walk my dog every morning, so I can go out and I will see if, it, pretty much if I'm, if I go out and take two steps and start slipping everywhere, I'm like, hell no, I don't want to go out, like, this, this is not safe to drive in, and typically, that matches up with the email, and it says, hey, do not come into work, well, if you do, you know, you're on your own accord, please be safe, allow some extra time for driving, all that other fun stuff. But typically they'll say, please work from home. We don't really recommend you come into the office. Well, that was one of those days where it was just horrible and we already had a bad forecast and all that stuff. And we got an email saying, drive into work. And that was really frustrating because I was like, damn it, you know what, this is this is a day I'm driving in a little bit early as well too, uh, just do some other stuff. So I went, I walked my dog, I took my car, I started driving, and yeah, it was real slippery and there were some issues and such, and for the most part it was fine. Until, this is the frustrating thing, I end up getting onto the street, I was turning onto the street where my workplace is, and as I was coming in, there was pretty much like this, this giant curb there, because you have to make a turn, and I start braking, and my car's not stopping. And I'm braking, and I hear the ABS trying to kick in, and I'm just, I'm just sliding, I'm just sliding, and I'm going straight for this curb, right? I'm just going straight for the curb, and little pro tip, because I end up seeing this afterwards. Uh, it was a video I actually saw, which prompted me to do this a little further and pursue it further, but if you are about to curb your car, if the curb is kind of low and you're going to go into grass, just drive over the curb. You're going to do less damage. However... If it is one of those, like, actual, like, it, if it's a higher curb, if it's a separator, if it's just going from curb into cement, you don't want to drive straight on into that. You want to turn into it, and so, you know, the side of your tire ends up slamming against the curb. Yeah, you can still cause damage, but you would cause less damage, so to speak, which is exactly what I did. That just felt instinctively right, so I ended up just turning my wheels because I said, you know what, this curb is going to stop my car whether I like it or not, so I'm going to turn. And of course, my car ended up slamming to the side. The first thing I thought of was, God damn it, I just got this realigned. Like, I just got this realigned. So I end up driving, and I end up having to go to the service center the next day uh, for my, uh, was it, oil consumption test. So I was like, you know what, I'll have them look at it. It's all good. But I, I talked with some other people, and they said, yeah, you know, you might have just knocked your alignment right out of alignment again. You might have to get that all done all over again. That might have to be a second thing that you do. So I said, you know what, since I'm going into the service center, I'll have them check it out. So what ended up happening is the next day, I drove it in there, and mind you, I really didn't get that much driving with my car after this impact happened. But I drove it in, they did all the oil stuff they had to, and I was already having some issues with them this time around. Um, it's really not worth bringing up directly, but I just with this visit, I, I had a few issues ready. So I was like, you know what, this isn't really the best start here. And they want to, apparently, according to Hyundai Corporate, they're one of those businesses where they really, really want their customers to review their cars and all that stuff. 
and uh, all these service centers and all these visits. And I think it's because of all their cars, not all of them, but a lot of their cars in recent years having a lot of issues like mine, uh, where they ended up contracting for for anybody that doesn't know the, the brief history of Hyundai, they, they kind of had disposable cars, so to speak. And then it was like 15 years ago, all of a sudden, they kind of revamped everything they were doing, and they put their 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty on there, and their cars were great, And because it, it was very much the type of thing where it's like, look, we believe in our cars so much, we're going to put this really good warranty on them, and my family, we end up getting a 2004 Santa Fe brand new from them. The worst thing that ever happened in that car, I think it was about 15 years later we retired it, which we just traded it in. And the worst thing that ever happened in that car was the AC went out and had to be rebuilt. That was the worst thing that ever happened. But that thing went all over the country. It was super reliable. It was great. Uh, but then several years after that, they ended up contracting their the people who make their engines. They ended up contracting with another company, and I believe it was the same company that Kia got their engines from as well, too. And then they started having all these issues. And unfortunately, they've used the same company for the past, like, almost 10 years. So from, let's say, 2009 to 2019, that's when these issues were made. And, like, the, these engines were made. And that's where they started having these issues where, for example, there were a lot of cars where it was just, hey, if you're driving on the highway, your engine might blow up. Sorry, we're aware of the defect. We're working on a fix right now. And that's it. And granted, they did have a fix later on, but there was just so many of their cars that started having so many issues like this that actually, to my knowledge, last year, 2019, they ended up, Hyundai broke their contract with this company and started scouting out another company or end up coming to an agreement with another company because of how bad it was. And that's, it's frustrating. It honestly is because I ended up getting my car because it, I thought it was a good deal. I liked the car and we had good, we had great experience with them before, but now with this, you know, I, I'm not sure if I can really recommend them, especially because it's one of those things you, um, you, when you're getting a new car, a lot of people say it's not financially smart to get one. Sure, I can agree with that. It's more, I wanted a new car so I wouldn't have to worry about stuff like this. Um, but now it might begin to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm having bigger issues with my new car than I had with my old used car little bit frustrating, but either way, I'm hoping for the best on there. Point is, on this visit uh, with Hyundai, they want you, they will really push you to review and give them five stars. And they say, if you if you did not get a five-star experience, please email us directly. And they even mention on there, if anything under five stars goes to corporate, corporate it judges them very harshly. So they're one of those businesses that are kind of like Uber. They're like a bunch of other places where... Let's say if, and so many businesses operate like this, when you review them, if they're on a 10-point scale, anything under 9 is a failure. If they're on a 5-point scale, anything under a 5 is a failure. So that goes back, that, that goes up the chain. That ends up getting reported. And it, it's I'm bringing this up because it will be important in a few minutes here. But what ended up happening was, I already didn't have the best experience with this, so I ended up giving, you know, a four-star review, and I emailed the person, and I explained, you know, what happened briefly, and he apologized, the person being the person who ends up, you know, running the services shop, so to speak. And he was like, yep, I'm sorry about this, we'll, we'll look into it, what have you. So, aside from that, it was all okay, but I noticed, like, after a few days of driving my car, I noticed 
when I was turning to the left, it felt a little bit weird coming from that tire, the, the main tire that ended up impacting that curb. And I was feeling things and I was hearing things that just shouldn't have been going on. So at one point, I, I let it go on for a little bit, admittedly, but Two weeks after this initial impact, I took it right back to the, not Hyundai, but I took it to the mechanic that I'd gone to. And I said, hey, I trust you. I want your opinion on this. Can you look at this? Because here's what I neglected to mention. On that visit, I mentioned to Hyundai, I said, hey, this happened yesterday. I ended up impacting this wheel on the side. Can you please look into it? And by the way, there's like, it's not super bad, but if you look, you, you can see to the naked eye, there is a curb rash on my rim and on the tire like you can see that right there just fine so when I got my car back uh, they had ended up you know they did all the oil stuff they needed to they recommended changing a filter out which I end up changing and uh, I even called them because I didn't see anything about the tire on there I called them and I asked specifically about it and they do a an inspection and all that stuff and they were like, nope, everything looked fine. Uh, you know, if your tech noticed any issues, he would have brought it up. So I'm like, I'm sitting here, you know, I don't know that much about what I'm dealing with, unfortunately. But I uh, I, I had, you know, kind of this, this false sense of security going on. I'm like, cool, I had some experts, so to speak, look at my car, they're all okay. No, that's, that's not what happened. So what happened was, again, I was feeling this, I was hearing it. I took it to my mechanic, and he looked at it, and I will tell you this. When your mechanic starts totaling up what needs to be fixed up and he says, oh my God, that's not, that's not good. That's bad. That, that just means money, which that was another unexpected expense I had to drop in. Uh, but in short, it did need, there, there was nothing cosmetic, thankfully, aside from the curb rash. And he did mention that, but there were some things that need to be fixed and replaced. And then I had to get an alignment and balance done again. And it was things that actually needed to be fixed. I don't have the list in front of me of what got repaired, but I even asked, I was like, hey, I'm just wanting to know if you can explain this to me, because I know my tires are kind of running a bit low on tread. Is this something like, would it just be better if I put this money towards a new set of tires as opposed to a repair? And he was like, not really, dude. Like, you're going to save maybe 10 bucks on this stuff. Um, but the stuff I'm telling you that needs to be repaired, those are actual repairs that need to be done on here. I'm sorry. So that that was nice and unexpected, but I end up hopefully catching those early enough in there that, you know, I'm not going to be dealing with anything else in regards to that. But I ended up getting that repair and it was just, it was really frustrating because not with the mechanic, the mechanic, he did his job, but it was just that I had taken this car to to the place where you're supposed to the place that's recommended the actual service center for the dealership they end up making your car and selling it to you and all that i end up taking it there i was told that everything was okay and what i did was i ended up just writing out all my experience i, I wrote a giant email explaining it uh, i didn't even I, I can't even say i went into karen mode all right uh, i have gone karen before but <laughs> and i feel like it, it's been justified but with this note i just laid out all the facts and i emailed this guy the, the guy who was in charge of all the service center stuff emailed him i couldn't reply to corporate so i emailed corporate i hope that went somewhere up there but I emailed them, explained what happened there, and I never got a response, unfortunately. And I think it was about eight or nine days later then, uh, I ended up just leaving a new review on their on one of their public sites where they have reviews. 
and I explained everything that happened in there. I pretty much copied paste my email and changed up a few things and such and submitted it. And I gave it a one star. Within 10, 20 minutes, the, the dude ends up replying. And he says, I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry you dealt with this. Uh, I did not get your email. Please call me. And he, then he sent another follow-up. He's like, please call me. And he put his number out there. So about an hour or two later, I gave him a call. And he was a nice guy. Like, nothing was really bad on the call. But we were talking, and it was just kind of awkward because the first five minutes, it was him fumbling through his email. Because he was saying, oh, I didn't get your email. And we've talked before. I said, we've never talked before. And I know that, well, I, I sent you an email, dude. I, I'm not, I don't know what else to tell you. So he starts looking up my name. Can't find it. He looks up my email. Can't find it. He looks up my name again. Can't find it. And he's like, I don't have your email. And I told him, I, you've, you've replied to me. You you have replied to me in the past before, so I know that my email is somewhere there in your inbox and in your sent box. And after a few more minutes of him fumbling around, he was like, oh, okay, yep, I see your original email, I see my follow-up to you, and I see the last email. Yeah, I'm really sorry, I, I don't know why I never replied to this, I'm really sorry about that. And I said, well, there's... Eh nothing like there's nothing you can do dude i'm sorry i sent you an email about this over a week ago i never got a reply and he was just sitting there he's like yeah you know i'm i'm really sorry about this i'm really sorry this all happened um and i i just want to say when i send these out I, I want it to be you know an alert for this just to let these people know because they want that feedback you know the managers they want that feedback and all that stuff i don't want anyone's job to be impacted i don't want anyone's um livelihood to be impacted if if the manager's going to do something about it so be it but this actually ended up happening before i even contacted them so he was saying he said something along the lines of yeah you know the sir the the sales agent who worked with you who processed this he mentioned something about this guy and he kind of mumbled it so i don't i have no idea what he said i don't know if the guy still works there i don't know if he was reprimanded i don't know what the hell happened to this guy uh but then he told me the tech who worked on my car has been let go because uh, I think, I think I emailed, we talked on a Monday, and he told me, yep, this past Friday, I end up letting the tech who worked on your car go, uh, because unfortunately, this is not the first time I've had issues with him. I typically have a two or three strike policy, and uh, he messed up multiple times, so I already let him go. And I was like, oh, okay, that doesn't, that doesn't help my situation, dude. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, are you still having the issue with your car? I said, no, uh, because I went to one year, you know, I went to a mechanic and I gave him my money as opposed to giving you my money to repair my car. So the issue is fixed. He said, oh, okay, well, that's good. Well, again, I'm, I'm you know, I'm really sorry that you dealt with this. And is, is there anything we can do? I said, no, um, I already tried to email you. You didn't reply to me. I put up the review. Uh, no. There's there's really nothing you can do. I probably could have gotten some free stuff out of there, but here's the thing. I know how impactful those reviews are. So this is where this came up then. The thing that kind of made me laugh is the guy, he was saying he kept apologizing. He's like, is there anything we can do? I really wish there was something we could do. I was like, no, nope. Um, you all missed this issue on my car. I took it somewhere else. I got it fixed. There's, there's nothing to fix on the car now. And he said, oh, okay, well... Uh, I, I just have another question for you. Is there anything, is there any way that you can change that review that you left on the site? And I, I figured that was going to come up. And I just very plainly told him, no, when I left this review for you, I left it as one star. 
I knew what I was doing. Everything I typed in that review was factual, and everything I typed there is accurate to what I was feeling and what I experienced with this. I will not be changing my review. And he said, okay, I understand. Well, um, thank you for your review. We will take that into consideration, etc. But I really found that funny that they were asking about that just with, with such a bad experience. Like now, now if it was something, let's say I had a, a four star review, I left him a three or a four star. I'm sure that maybe he could be like, Hey, if we give you an oil change for free, could we change your review? Uh, which that is, I mean that he did not say that. I'm, I'm just putting that out. He did not say that, but offering something like that, so unethical, so inaccurate. And I just, I don't like it when companies will do that. And you'll see companies do that. You leave a low review for someone and the company will try and reach out and of course make it better. But sometimes the company will even, you know, say to that person, hey, if we do this for you, if we refund you, if we do this, if we give you a free service, will you change your review? And I just want to, for the greater good of other people who might be in your situation, to anybody listening, I'm just going to recommend if, if a company offers to do that, do not take them up on that offer, all right? Because the way you might have been negatively impacted and you left that in a review, you're going to be warning other people about it. And again, those reviews are going to matter a lot to those companies, especially if it's something like a car dealership, a service center, what I was talking about, where all that stuff gets reported back to corporate and corporate really cares about all those little things. So I guess that's my advice. That's my experience. That's what I wanted to talk about with this, maybe rant about it a little bit. But yeah, I just thought that was really funny where he kind of acknowledged this. At first, he wasn't even, he didn't even have his stuff straight. Again, he was saying, I've talked to you before. I never got your email. And I said, both of, bo everything you're saying is incorrect right now, dude. And then when he verified it, again, he wanted me, he wasn't offering anything. I guess he was saying, is there anything we could do to change it? But he wasn't offering me a service outright. And I didn't want to be the person who's just like, oh, well, fix my car for free or do this. Or that might be something I might have to talk about with them later, you know, depending on a few other circumstances. But either way on here, I ended up, I wanted to stick to my guns, stick to that one star review. And it's just like, nope, you need to be aware of what is going on in your garage, what's going on in your service center and what people think about this. And I will be letting the general public know that you took I actually lied on that. I, I think I said something like, I was like, I emailed the guy eight days ago and I never got a reply. I ended up messing up my math. It was actually longer than eight days. So I was giving him a little bit of credit right there, but people need to know about this. Oh man. So that's what's been going on with my car at least. It's been a tiny bit frustrating, but it is what it is. Now, I wanted to talk about, um, I mentioned this near the beginning of the episode, I wanted to talk about ModChat for a little bit. Now, in case anybody does not know, ModChat is a, it's my original podcast, I would say, that I did, in which this started, when was it? I mean, I'm just doing my math right here. This started over five years ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was over five years ago. I want to say it started 2014. That would be accurate. Yeah, I start, it started 2014, and it was originally just a modding podcast. And I don't know if I've ever said this, but I think the original kind of inception of this was actually when I was talking with um, another YouTuber on here, Johnny Guns, where we were talking before, and I remember when him and I talked about collaborating, which we did not do a whole lot of collaboration, unfortunately. But when we talked about it, 
I was thinking of doing, you know, some video stuff and everything, and he he always mentioned a few times, he said, you know, I'd really like to do a podcast, I'd like to do a podcast, I'd like to do a podcast, and I think just a part of that kind of stuck with me, because we hadn't talked for a bit, but at one point, I was working with uh, Daniel, otherwise known as Modbot now, otherwise known as the Dope Sonar 930, and I remember we were friends at that point, we'd been acquainted, we already collaborated once or twice, and I kind of ran this by him, I said, hey dude, would you be interested in doing a podcast with me? And he was all down with this. And originally, ModChat started off as just an audio recording such as this. And we would pick a topic like our memories of the Xbox 360 modding scene, of the PS3 modding scene, what we think of the Wii modding scene, just things like that. We would pick a topic and we would just shoot the shit for 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, however long it took. And people seemed to really like it because I think even to this day... I could say I I can proudly say I think I really tap into a niche because I personally don't know of any other continuously going modding related podcasts. And if they and I'm just saying I'm not aware of them. And if they are out there, I don't think there's very many of them, including mod chat. So I know that's actually something that's made us stick out before. Uh, one person who's a really awesome person in the PS3 scene and also, you know, a good friend of the show and one of my good online friends and such, uh, Jason, otherwise known as Escort Do, from the uh, PS3 Exploit team, he actually got acquainted with us because I remember when I talked with him, he said, yeah, I remember I was looking up podcasts. Like, I, w- I was just looking for new podcasts and I found Mod Chat. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a modding podcast. This is really cool. And then he found out that it was live streamed on YouTube. And he didn't know that we were as as much in the know as we were. Because I think it was when PS3 Exploits first tools came out, they were originally announced for firmware 4.81. So he was getting ready for the live stream and he saw that it was 4.81. And he's like, oh, cool, they're they're going to report about PS3 exploit. They're going to r- report about the stuff we're working on. And then they ended up delaying it a little bit because firmware 4.82 came out, and they said, we're going to update this for 4.82. And then Jason said, I remember he told me, he was like, yeah, I remember it didn't really click with me that you all were, you all were really following this as much until I saw on that live stream you all edited the title to 4.82 before you all went live. And I was like, oh shit, you all are watching what we do. And then in turn, he ended up watching what we were doing. And I think that was the first time he was in one of our live streams watching it. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. What ended up happening was ModChat was originally a podcast where we were just offline talking about whatever we wanted to with modding related stuff. And then we ended up transitioning because it was it was an okay format like it, we started getting kind of tapped out on topics and such and Daniel was really into live streaming at the time and I wasn't really but people were asking for live streams so we ended up completely flipping it we went from offline to online so we started doing live streams but we also went from changing it from being a reminiscent or discussion show to kind of a news discussion show so to speak where we really didn't break news but we would look at news of new developments in the modding scene and report on them and then discuss our thoughts on them and people really seemed to like it so we did that for a bit and Daniel ended up transitioning off the show because he just kind of fell out of modding. And that's when my good friend Devin, otherwise known as Paranoid Coder, that's when he had come on. He actually was a guest 
before. He ended up being a emergency fill-in co-host before, and also he was local. So I felt like we would work really well. We already proved ourselves before. We transitioned him on, and oh my god, that, that was maybe one of my favorite moments. Um, not not because I was getting rid of Daniel. Like I absolutely loved Daniel for sure. But it was just what I loved about it is that the audience was so welcoming to that change. Uh, we just we brought in. Uh, Devin, we talked about what was going on very amicably, and then we continued on with the show, and everyone seemed to be okay with it. And I think the the today, I think the worst thing during that transition we ever saw was there was a guy who came in and asked, "Who's that dude with the glasses?" Referring to Devin, and the chat very quickly responded to him and said, "That's Devin. He's the new co-host." And that is that is the worst thing that ever happened out of that transition. It was just it was so seamless. Like Daniel, you know, I talked with him about it, and because I was actually the one, I kind of brought it up to him, and I was like, "Hey, look, dude, I know that you've kind of fallen out of modding." We've had some difficulties, some scheduling difficulties as well, too, which has been a little bit difficult, and I want to keep the podcast going. Would you be opposed to me, you know, kind of taking you off of here and getting Devin on? Devin's been proven to be a good guest, a good co-host. I think we can work well. And Daniel just very quickly got back to me, and he said, I completely understand, dude. Mod chat is your thing. Um, if you feel like this is the best for it, I, I, I give you complete will on here. Like, don't, don't kill, like, don't, don't kill this thing. And that worked out real well. And Devin and I worked together for a few years, over two years. And then, uh, kind of the same thing happened with him. It was never really a scheduling thing. There was maybe one or two times we had scheduling issues, but the main thing that happened was just, he was falling out of modding. And, I know how that is. Like, we're just falling out of anything. It's so hard to get into something. Another thing with Devin as well, too, is I, I don't think he's ever tried to be an influencer. Like, for me, you know, I do the YouTube thing. I'm, I have Mr. Mario 2011 across my social medias. Uh, I very much have fun on social media, but... I really don't want to say I treat it like a business, but, you know, I, I do cycle everything back to my YouTube with YouTube being the main thing. And that's kind of how I influence, so to speak. And I don't think Devin has ever wanted to do that. And there's that's nothing against him. That's totally fine. But I even tried to kind of give him a platform of it where I said, hey, dude, take, you know, the few thousand views from Mod Chat that we get all the time. This is a perfect opportunity for you to start up something. And I remember I even challenged him to do one video every month for a year. And he did. And then he stopped because he said, you know what, this is a cool experiment. I found out I don't want to do videos. Like, I got, I, I always thought of it. I tried it out. I got it out of my system. I realized this is not what I want to do, but thank you for the opportunity. And I told Devin, I was like, I really respect you for doing that. You actually took this challenge, you saw it through to the end, and you decide this is something you don't want to do. And now it's never going to be a question of, oh man, you know, what if I could be a YouTuber? It's very much a thing of like, nope, I was there, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, wore it, all that stuff. Not my thing. And it is what it is. So I don't think it was ever anything that he was really aspiring to do, you know? Um... And that's, that's fine. That's fine with, with anybody doing it. There's some people who undo it. There's some people who don't. But point is, Devin is kind of falling out of that. So we had actually talked about at one point getting him off the podcast. And he, he brought it up to me at a time I was really stressed out. And I was like, no, no, this is very sudden. Uh, what's going on here? So we talked about it and he said, all right, I'm going to try it for a few more months. 
And if I'm not feeling it, we're going to have to revisit this. And I said, that's fine. And then we did have to revisit it. So we ended up, you know, planning an exit strategy. And part of that was I said, I want to transition you off of this gracefully. But I also kind of want to shut down mod chat for a few months. I'm going to put it on hiatus. I want to take a break from this. I want to not do it for a bit. I want to rebuild it. I want to do it as a new type of thing. And my new idea for mod chat was I said, first of all, I'm going offline again. Um, just like with Devin not really wanting to do, and I hope, I, Devin, if you're listening, I really hope I'm not putting words in your mouth or anything. This is just what I've observed, but please feel free to correct me. But just like Devin, you know, not really wanting to do the whole YouTube side of things, like not not trying to be a YouTuber, so to speak. Um, I did not want to be a live streamer. It was one of those things, I went there, I did it. I did it for several years, monthly. And there's aspects of live streaming that I am going to miss. Uh, I miss having the positive viewer interactions. I miss, you know, hanging out and feeling kind of like that connection with my audience where it's like, hey, they are live on their keyboards. I'm live on the camera. We can talk right here. I just didn't like live streaming overall, though. Uh, it had had more cons than pros to me, and it started to really feel like a chore at times, and it was really burning me out. Uh, yeah, it was only, you know, a two, three hour thing we did once a month, but that was, I mean, it was a lot for me, uh, mentally, I would say, and that's that's all my fault. I'm not going to blame it on anyone else. That's my fault, but it was very much a thing I said, I've been doing this every month for several years, and it's it's kind of like getting a shot. I don't like needles. I I hate needles. I don't like messing with them. I don't like looking at them going in my skin. Nothing like that. But I still will get my shots. I will donate blood. I'll do all that because I know it's good for me. And every time I do it, it's a little bit better. It's not something that I, I still, it's not something that I like by any means, but it's something that I hate a little bit less. With, with the live stream, the problem was, I wasn't really getting, there was no health benefit to it. You know, like if I, if I donate blood, uh, there are, do, there are health benefits to donating blood, both for you and the people who are going to be receiving your blood. Hopefully that it's clean. If you end up getting a flu shot, there's positive things that you're going to get from that. For me, it felt like I was sticking myself with a needle every single month and there was no type of positive, there was really no, no positive thing that I was going to be getting from it. I'm not trying to demean it by any means and say like, oh, I hated everything about it. Because no, there there were aspects I liked about it. But I guess the cons for me personally outweighed the pros on there. So I said, you know what? Just for this, I am even, I'm going to kind of force myself to not do this. I'm going to force myself out of here. Because I will tell you, I think the last episode we did together was episode 55. And that was in August of 2019. And come September, I felt like there was something missing. I felt like I had to gather thoughts. I had to gather uh, topics. I had to do a live podcast. And I said, no, no, no. This is just out of habit. I felt this before. I felt this when I graduated from college and I was over three months out of classes and I was not going back to class. I had this feeling of, oh, I need to go to class. I need to go to work. Like I need, I need to do my homework. I'm missing a test. And... It was because I had gone so many years without going that long of not going to a class. So I kind of recognized that there. And I said, no, I'm just feeling this because I'm used to doing this every single month. I kind of want to break this habit. So I said, first, I need to break the habit. Then I need to relax. 
and then I need to miss mod chat. And once I start missing mod chat, that's when I'm going to really bring back my, my entry again. So I actually, I will say I missed mod chat a lot sooner than I thought. Now it was August, that was the last episode we did. So September, October, and then I said November, December, I'm not coming back. But it was around that time I was missing it. I said I'm not coming back because this is going to be the holiday season. So I just, I, I want to do my own thing for the holidays. So November, December, I worked through that. January, I thought of coming back, but then we ended up going on a trip. So I said, nope, I'm not going to come back in January. And then February, that was going to be the last thing. Originally, I wanted to come back January, but I said, you know what? No, I'm still going to just, I want to relax. I want to, you know, kind of get this out of my system. I still want to make sure I miss mod chat. So it was very much for me, February, I'm coming back. And like that, that is it. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about this. Like I even, I was even determined because I thought I was getting sick right before I filmed the episode. I was like, nope, even if I have a stuffy nose, I am going to sit there. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to have to blow my nose and stuff. I'm going to have to get all this phlegm out. Uh, I am going to power through this because if I, if this doesn't happen in February, I can't trust myself that I'm going to stick to it in March. Like this needs to get done. So... I end up recording my stuff about a week in advance, and I it, it worked real well. I end up doing I recorded two things for it. First of all, I just recorded a very casual video where I got in front of the camera and kind of briefly explained, "Hey, ModChat is coming back. This is what ModChat is. This is why I took it off. This is what you're going to expect coming back." And then I recorded the actual ModChat episode. And y'all, I, I just wanted to say I had so much fun recording that episode. I really felt like a fire from that that I hadn't felt from mod chat in a while and maybe it's because it was offline maybe it's because i didn't do it for a while or whatnot i'm not sure but either way i just kind of saw it all come into fruition and i think everything went well on there including even the ending if anybody has not seen episode 56 uh at the end uh lily actually ended up my dog busted through the door and then i picked her up and when i brought her to the mic she ended up like bumping the mic and the mic cut off so I had to re-record the very end, the audio at the very end. And even with that, I was like, you know what? This is just this is the perfect mistake to have because people who are going to stick to the end are going to smile and they're really going to enjoy this. So to me, that was like an almost perfect episode, I would say. And so far, the reception, uh, I've it's just over right now because I'm recording this episode a few days before I put this out. But so far, Mod Chat episode 56 has been out for over 24 hours and it's gotten really positive responses. Uh, first of all, there were a lot of people who I had noticed they were kind of asking, what is mod chat? Or they weren't aware of mod chat. They didn't know I did mod chat, which is really cool. Like people didn't know about this. I said, well, guess what? Welcome aboard. Get subscribed. You're going to see it in a few days. And then when it came out, people really seemed to enjoy it. The people who were watching it. Maybe the only negative things I saw was, um, shout out to WC Anyways. He was disappointed that it came out at 5 a.m. his time because he liked he liked coming into the live streams and interacting with us and stuff. And it was always cool having him aboard. But I said, you know what? Like, we're, we're not doing the live stream. We're not doing the premiere thing anymore. Um, so you're going to be here regardless. But he, he just wanted that interaction, which I can understand. Uh, another person who, friend of the channel and someone who's been around for a while, Exit, uh, he actually said, I thought this was funny. He said something felt off about the episode 
and maybe it's because because he's listened to he's watched my videos he's listened and watched mod chat he's watched and listened to mario's minute and he said you know at first i was thinking maybe it was because this wasn't live but no maybe it was because you were by yourself but no i i think i'm realizing that i listen to mario's minute and i'm so used to that where mario's minute it's very much just I go in, I click record, I go, I hit stop, and I'm done. Uh, but Mod Chat, now, I'm actually going in, I'm recording, I'm doing editing, there's cuts. Uh, it's not like it's a overall crazy production. It's not polished by any means. That's, that's not what I'm wanting to put out there. But it, it is one of those things where it's a lot more edited than Mario's Minute. Mario's Minute takes me maybe about five minutes worth of editing to get out there, uh, as opposed to Mod Chat, where that's going to take longer than five minutes, and it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. But aside from that, everyone, and, and that's not even a criticism, it was just like, I would understand you're going from a uncut, raw recording to a more, I guess, concise organized, edited recording. That would kind of feel weird, especially since now Mod Chat and Mario's Minute are going to be recorded really in the exact same way, like the same microphone, the same room, the same setting, all that stuff. So it's going to be kind of funny listening to the two dualities, so to speak. But either way, I'm really excited that I brought this back. Um, here's one thing. If I if I was not serious about Mod Chat, I wouldn't have con continued to pay for it. Uh, I still do. I pay for the podcast hosting. It's almost like a hundred bucks a year, something like that. So it's, it's affordable enough. But I still paid for that. And I was not using that for six months because Mod Chat was not airing for six months. So don't you all worry. If I didn't care about Mod Chat, if I didn't want it to come back, I would have just canceled my subscription and said, you know what? Nope, this is going offline. I'm not going to be paying the $100 a month. Everyone just archive the, the, the video and the audio as soon as you can. But no, no, it's it's been really cool bringing that back, and I do look forward to doing more stuff with it. Uh, I would like to do more than one episode a month. I would like to have guests on, whether that be just a kind of a call we have throughout the episode, or if they just provide their video or audio or both, that would be really cool. But either way, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what I can do on there. Plus, now that it's going to be offline, I can spend an hour working on an episode, or I can spend three days working on an episode on and off. Uh, that's, you know, if I'm going to be doing, you know, let's say I get some recording done one day and then some recording another day, and then I do some editing and then I'm waiting for somebody's video and such. I have that flexibility as opposed to having to get everything done in one live stream. And by the way, I hate managing live streams. That's the last thing I want to say. I absolutely hate managing live streams. I that I think that was one of the big things that I really disliked. I had said in my mod chat is returning video, my ideal live stream is if someone else can do all the management, if someone else can check everything, if someone else can handle everything, and I just pretty much I'm just a pretty face to show up. If I just show up, I act a fool and I leave, that is the ultimate live stream experience for me. And that's something I would really have fun doing. But if I'm doing that, and I'm managing it, and I'm editing it, and I have to worry about all this other stuff, um, I, I just lose the, the appeal to me, unfortunately. So yeah, Mod Chat is back, and I'm really happy about it. Now, I, I, I thought about this, and 
it was with a recent episode of uh, the, I think, the Real MVP podcast. That's what it's called from Modern Vintage Gamer. And shout out to MVG on here. But he said he was going to talk about some of his stories from being in a scene group. And I'm not going to even spoil that, really. I don't, I don't even want to see the name of it. But he said he was in a scene group before. He was going to start sharing some stories. And he shared a few stories. And he wanted to start talking about that on these episodes of the podcast. So I kind of thought of it and I was like, you know, I kind of want to share something like that too, but not with the scene. It's going to be, I guess, much more innocent than uh, I actually wanted to share some stories of when I worked at a game store. So you all let me know of this, but I think if this goes well, I think I'm, I might share like maybe one or two stories per episode, um, maybe on the solo episodes, because it'd be kind of weird to shoehorn it in when there's a guest. But if people like this, then I don't mind sharing like an, a story or two from these old times. So I, I have a few that I can share and let me think of one from here. So first, I kind of want to give the basis because a lot of people don't know that I worked at a video game store. So from 2009 to 2011, when I was in high school, I worked at a game shop for just over two years. It was a local game store. In my opinion, it was the best game store in the area. And right after I left, so many things went downhill. And unfortunately, the store that I did most of my work in, because we had two stores, the store that I did most of my work in, that location actually shut down. And that was the better location. Uh, it was really unfortunate when that ended up happening. And I need to go back and pay my respects to the probably empty plot that's over there now. But either way, um, it was it was a cool it was a cool gig. Now a lot of people have no idea I worked at a game store. I have since I shared these stories, I have gotten shit. I I think I can realistically say it has probably been at least I've probably gained a hundred thousand subscribers. Cause yeah yeah that that sounds about right. I have gained well over a hundred thousand subscribers since I last did a video talking about like dedicated working at a game shop uh people who have me or like they're, they're in my discord server or they follow me on twitter uh they'll see me mention things and it's always really funny because people even when i mention it now people are like oh you used to work at a game store that's really cool and it just it makes me smile because i'm like wow there's so many people that have got come on board because i never really made it a part of my brand but there's so many people that have come on board they have no idea i spent over two years this is my first job working at a local game shop uh now first of all i i loved i loved the job i mean it was a job it was money it, it was cool um i liked the job i liked my co-workers i think this is just kind of me being an introvert i recognize this now being older but I kind of developed a bit of a disdain for the general public for a bit, and that actually made me really nice to people in service, to people at other business, to people at any public-facing business. Working at this game shop made me much nicer to people who are in these industries, because I know what they go through. I know how stressful it can be. I know the asshole customers who stick out. But having some really cool customers is is awesome to have as well, too. Uh, I actually just thought of a story I kind of want to tell with that as well. It's something that I, I didn't even have written on here, but I might share one or two stories. Now, the ironic thing was, I went into this being a really big gamer, and for about a year and a half when I worked at this store, I actually kind of like just stopped playing video games. And this is a issue that 
you'll hear a lot of people who work at game shops talk about. I'm not saying all of them. There's still plenty of people who work at game shops where they live and breathe video games. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's good for their job as well, too, in their career. They wake up, they, they, you know, they eat breakfast, they shower, all that stuff. They go to work, they get to deal with games, they get to talk about games all day, they get to learn about games. They come home, they play some games for three, four hours, they go to bed. Um, I, that was the ideal situation for me. And then after a few months of working at this shop, I realized I just didn't really want to play. After being around games, surrounded by video games and consoles for 8, 9, 10 hours, I did not want to come home and play games. That was the last thing I wanted to do. So I actually, I was kind of an asshole about it, not gonna lie. I was actually very pessimistic about gaming overall for a while. And it blew my friend's minds when they found out I knew a lot about games. I worked at a game shop and I didn't really play that much stuff. And I said, yeah, it's because I'm around this shit all the time. It's nothing new to me. It's nothing really exciting anymore, unfortunately. Um, but it was cool because again, I, I was still able to talk games. I was critical as well, too, so I would say, yeah, this game is good or this game is complete shit. Generally, if it was a game that I actually stuck with, while if it was a game that came out during that time I worked at the game store and I actually stuck with it and finished it and put some time into it, in my opinion, it was a really, really good game. Uh, my manager was even worse than me on that. It would take him so long to finish up a game. He had, because I, I think he had worked, at the time I started working with him, he was 23 or 24 years old. And he had been working in video game shops since he was 12. Some people might say, that is not legal. How is that possible? Well, he worked at a game shop prior to this one where his family owned it. And if you have a family-run business and you're a family member, a direct family member, you're able to kind of skirt that a little bit. So that's how he was able to legally start working at age like 12 or 13, something like that. So he had burned himself out way early on. But he had some stories as well, too, of like, for example... Um, he would just waste money too at times. It was funny, but like, I think he said, like, he got the PS2 before anyone else. Like, their game shop, their, their game shop they worked at, it was like the first game shop to have PlayStation 2s in the area. And they imported these PS2s straight from Japan. And he spent like a thousand dollars on a PS2 and one or two games. And like, I mean, it, it, it was pointless because they didn't modify their systems. There was no way to bypass the region lock so he could only play Japanese games and watch Japanese movies on there. But it was just so cool that he had a PS2 before anyone else. And then knowing him, he he sold it. He definitely sold it at one point for not that much money. But the point is, it was, just, it was like little stories like that that were really cool. So either way... I've had a lot of positive experiences and stories from there, and negative ones as well too, but I kind of want to share some of, the, some of the good ones here. So maybe one of the first things I, I could think of, which it wasn't even on this list that I was going to share, but it was, how, how do I say it? There was, again, I'm, I'm going to take you all back. This was 2009, 2010, something along those lines. So this is when the Xbox 360, the PS3 uh, were just in full swing, you know, all cylinders running. And I mean, the Wii was quite popular as well, too. But we also had a lot of, we sold VHS tapes, we sold DVDs, we sold CDs to a lesser extent. Uh, and then we sold older consoles and older games as well. We still sold a lot of PS2 games, a lot of Xbox games, GameCube. I mean, we had stuff from the Saturn, Sega CD. Sega CD, not as much, but, like, we had, like, stack of Saturn games we never really got rid of. We had, like, stack of Dreamcast games we never really got rid of. And I remember there was one guy where 
he came in and he was talking with me and he was like, Hey, so, uh, I was wanting to know, I, I got a PS2 and I'm thinking of, I, I just, I kind of want a game to play. I need something to play right now because I'm trying to quit smoking. And I was like, Oh, well, congratulations on that. He said, well, thanks, but I need something to distract me. So we went over and he was older than me. I was like 16, 17 at the time, something like that. And he looked like he was in his early to mid twenties, but we start going over the games. So we had a huge rack of PS2 games and I start showing them all the stuff. And I was like, Hey, so what are you looking for? What type of games do you like? And somehow over the course of that conversation, we end up landing on Hitman. So the first Hitman game on PS2 is Hitman 2. So I picked that up and it was like an $8 game. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll be honest. It's not really my thing, but it's kind of like, have you played Splinter Cell? Yeah, it's a lot like that. Uh, it's a very challenging game. There's so many different ways you can do all this stuff and, you know, um, get to your points. It's not linear at all. Uh, I was saying a lot of good things about this. And I was like, you know, if me, if this is, you know, your your forte, if this is something that you're interested in, I, I could definitely recommend this. I am going to tell you again, it is kind of frustrating, but it's a really good time sink. And he, he seemed sold about it. So he was kind of nodding. He's like, all right, cool. You know what? I'll give this a try. So he purchased it. I sent him out the door. He went out of his way. And I didn't see him for maybe a few weeks. And I worked between one store and another store. And I came back to the smaller store. And a few weeks later, I ended up seeing him. And I was like, oh, hey, uh, he, like, I, I don't even think he said anything to me at first. He just, he came in, he said hi. So I guess he said something. He came in, he said hi. He picked up one of the Hitman games off the shelf, brings it up. And I was like, oh, hey, uh, I remember you. How's Hitman? He's like, oh, that's good. He's like, oh, that's good to hear. He's like, yeah, actually, it's so good. I'm, I'm here picking up the rest of the games. And I asked, really? And he said, yeah, no, like, your recommendation was really good, dude. Um, I played through Hitman 2, and it was so good, I came here immediately to get the next one, and I'm already done with that, so I'm here picking up the third one. And that just made me, that that, that made me feel really good. And I think at that point, he was still successful on his, uh, on his not-smoking challenge. Now, Hitman... It's funny because to me, I guess it's so frustrating. I would feel like I want to smoke a cigarette, but if that's what worked for him, I, I'm so happy about that. And those are the experiences that people who work at these game shops love to talk about, love to share, etc. And I, I mean, I kind of remember his face. I don't even remember the dude's name, but it's just you know little things like that. Uh, I just I feel so good that I was able to help him out not only through that but also recommend a series that again he came to get the set he bought the second game for me and then he came to get the third one then he came to get the fourth one because I think there were three Hitman games on the PS2 but the first one never released on PS2. Yeah, so that that was a good time we had. Uh, another one I, I kind of wanted. I was just thinking of this because I was prompted with this originally from Twitter, and I shared this very briefly on Twitter, but this was at our second location, which was the bigger location. And at one point, it was myself and another co-worker who were there. And we were just, we were hanging out, doing whatever the hell we were doing there. And I guess at one point, he went into the back, and he came out, and he was like, hey, there's a bird back there. I was like, wait, What? He said, yeah, there's a bird. And then it kind of turned into like half an episode of Tret's Guy. Like the, the thing in Tret's Guy where they end up trying to get a bird out of the house and freaking out. So I'm just kind of quoting Tret's Guy there. And I'm like, what do you mean there's a bird? 
He said, there's a bird back there, dude. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm freaking out about this. Just, uh, I'm playing it up, don't mind me. And there was nobody in the store, so it was okay. So my coworker's kind of laughing. He was jokingly calling me Tourette's guy. And I was like, what are you talking about? There's a bird back there. He said, go into the back room. There's a bird. And I was like, where's the bird? He said, just go walk into the back room. And there's a bird. So to get into our back room, you had to enter this back door. And it was a really long hallway. And down this long hallway, there was a men's restroom, a women's restroom, which didn't even matter after a few months. Just men used the women's restroom, women used the men's restroom. We just, we mixed it up, all right? It was fine, because it was not a public restroom, so it was all good. So you go back there, there was a restroom, another restroom. There was another room, which kind of turned into our dead console room, which is where the consoles we were repairing well tried to repair at least that's a whole other thing i can share not on this episode let me know if you want to hear about it but that that's a whole other thing that i can talk about there and then you get into the actual back area which is like that's where we had you know the extra systems the peripherals the stacks on stacks of games just the overflow stuff we had a fridge back there um all the other stuff so i start walking back there and i hear this flapping and I'm like looking around, I hear some more flapping, and then this bird is just coming out, and it's way above me, because it's in the ceiling, not in the ceiling, but it's close to it, it's trying to fly, but the thing is, the lowered ceilings are too low for the bird, so it was flying towards me, and it hits the ceiling, and then it keeps flying, and it hits the ceiling again, and then it keeps flying, and it goes out into the main area of our game shop. So I'm just laughing and I go out there and I'm like, what the hell? The bird is here. And my coworker's like, dude, I told you, I told you there was a bird here. So I asked what we're supposed to do. I was like, should we keep the doors open or what? And he was like, I don't know. Maybe we should just leave it. And I, I think it was either me or one of us mentioned, we're like, we can't have this bird pooping on any of the merchandise. Like we got to get this bird out. So we're sitting there thinking of what to do. And my coworker, this is a very good idea he had. He said, can you get me a towel or something? And I asked why. He said, because I want to cover the bird. And if once I cover the bird, it will calm down and I will take the bird and put it outside. And I was like, oh, okay. Because at first I thought he just wanted to, he didn't want to touch the thing. He was like, no, 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 no. If you cover a bird's face, it will calm down and I can take the bird out. So I find a rag that we use to like, you know, clean our discs and all that stuff. And I give it to him and he goes out there and we had, like, all around the windows, we had these racks, like, these these racks of full of audio CDs that you can, you know, spin around and such. And the bird ends up, at one point, flying and sitting on the bottom of one of the windows, but between the window and one of the racks of CDs. So you could, like, bend down and touch this bird. So I'm looking from the outside of the rack and my coworker goes over and he's like carefully approaching the bird and this bird, it just, it looks pissed and it has its beak open like it's about to bite him and stuff. And I'm just laughing and laughing and he's telling me, he's like, dude, shut up, shut up, stop laughing. This thing is pissed. It's trying to bite me. Stop laughing. Please stop laughing. And I'm still just laughing about this. And then he, he ended up like to his credit, he went very slowly with it. And then he was able to take this rag and he was able to cover up the bird with it. Just gently cover up the bird. And once he did, he scooped up the bird. He went over to one of the side doors we had. He opened it. He like he, he opened it. He went out the door. He closed it. And then he just kind of got onto the ground and let the bird go. And it flew away and did its own stuff. But that was one of the other nice little memories I had from working there. Just like that was the only time we had a bird in there. 
not at this store, but at our other store, we actually did have a cat. And this just kind of not really a story, but kind of an overall thing. For a bit, we did have a cat. And he was my boss's girlfriend's cat. She had this cat already. And he couldn't have the cat at his place. I don't really think he wanted the cat at his place, but they didn't live together. She ended up moving in with a roommate, and this roommate was allergic to cats. So she was trying to figure out what to do with this cat. And he said, why don't we just like, why don't we just keep it at the game store? So they somehow agreed to that. And one day they brought him in and we got him set up and he was a cute little cat. And you, he just lived there for a while. I don't think he... No, no, before I stopped working there, he he was taken back. Um, not because of anything bad, but just because uh, his my boss's girlfriend ended up... I think she moved in with him, and at that point, she was able to then take the cat. Because uh, she didn't have a roommate that was allergic to the cat anymore. But it was really funny, because it was just it was nice having this presence. I liked petting the cat, messing around with it, all that other fun stuff. And uh, the worst part about it was, I was allergic to the cat. So I'm not just this cat, I'm allergic to cats in general. That's just one of my defects I have, I guess. But it was real funny because there'd be so many times we would have people and nobody was ever offended that we had a cat in the store, right? Um, it was just, it was kind of funny to have a cat in a game store. Typically, I guess you think of a cat in a bookstore. That's typically where I would see them, you know, at a retail front. But we would have people, they ask about the name, they ask about how old this cat is, if he really lives there. We joked around, said he was the boss. And... This always came up. People would ask, well, what if you have a customer who's allergic to cats? And my manager would just point to me. He's like, this dude's allergic to cats and he pets this cat all the time. And they're like, oh, well, uh, I guess if you work here and you're allergic to cats, there's, well, all right. But uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was another thing that happened from there as well, too. We had uh, we had a store cat for a while and that was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. I went over a, a little bit that I was, I, I, w I went longer than I was expecting to on there, but I just, I have a lot of positive things I could talk about with this game shop. So if you're wanting more stories like that, let me know. But I want to kind of sum this up real quick as well too, uh, for, because uh, I kind of want to, you know, bring this down here. I want to talk about, as I normally do on these episodes, uh, the games I'm currently playing. So I guess right now, I, I talked about this in the last episode, but uh, with Rocker Gaming, but I'm playing through uh, Steins Gate Elite, and my goodness, I'm over halfway do halfway done with it right now. But this game is so much longer than I was expecting. It's a visual novel. It's a whole lot of reading. It's pretty much only reading. It's great so far, but yeah, that's about all I can say about it right now. It's great. It's a long visual novel. I'm still working on it. Now, I also wanted something with gameplay as well too so i end up picking up i don't know if i shared this before but i picked up a tokyo mirage sessions fe encore which i actually own on wii u and i never played it i just never played it because i never played it unfortunately and then when i found out it was coming out on switch look i'm one of those people i will double dip at times like this because i'm like well hell i'd rather play it all over the place on the go and have easy access to it on switch so yeah i don't mind paying for it so i end up getting a copy a bit discounted and i end up picking it up and it is great so far and i think the disappointing thing about it for me is that it's a uh, shin megami tensai mixed with fire emblem 
So that's the crossover that they were doing. Now, Shin Megami Tensei is essentially the... It's typically known as like the more mature, harder version of Persona. Because Persona is derived from Shin Megami. And people really want Persona 5 on the Switch. And yes, we are getting Persona 5 Scramble, but that's kind of a sequel to Persona 5. Uh, Persona 5 is only on PS3 and PS4. Persona 5 Royal, which is kind of like a director's cut, so to speak, that's only going to be on PS4. People are wanting, including myself, they've been wanting Persona 5 on the Switch itself. I don't think we're going to get it. I would love to have it. I don't think we're going to get it. But just playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions, it's really the same type of, you know, dungeon crawling battle style, so to speak. Yeah, the battles aren't the exact same, but when you're playing through it, it's like, oh man, this feels like a Persona game to me. Which makes total sense, because it sh it plays like Shin Megami, and it has um, the Fire Emblem characters in there interspersed and such. To me, it just it highlights that I would love Persona 5 on the Switch, that it would work really well on the Switch, and that we don't have it. So it's great and it's disappointing all at once. But the game itself, I really enjoy it so far. I've only I'm only like two three hours in, but so far I'm really liking it on this platform. And finally, the other game that I just fired up, I actually end up going out of my way to import a copy of it as well, too, because I want the physical version of it, uh, is Coffee Talk. Now, I've wanted, I, I've been interested in this type of game. It's very much, it, it seems very similar to another game called Valhalla, which is a cyberpunk, I, if I mess up describing it, I'm sorry, I've never played it because I'm waiting for the Switch release of it. I actually, I have a physical Switch version of it, like, paid for and everything from limited run games. I'm just waiting for them to get it all assembled and ship it out to me. I really want to play it. But it's pretty much a visual novel style game where you are a bartender and you're mixing drinks for people and you converse with them and help them out. So it's pretty much a alcoholic visual novel. Well, Coffee Talk looks to be in the same realm. It takes place in a fictionalized version of Seattle that takes place this year. And it's just, it's a version of Seattle where there's all these mythical creatures there. So you have humans, but you have elves, you have uh, vampires, you have orcs, you have all these people that work together um, and that live together and such. So it's a really interesting take on Seattle. <laughs> And the references to uh, on it are great. I love the art style of it so far. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I absolutely love everything about it. But I was like, you know, I, I really want to play this game. I want something shorter that I can play through right now. And I still want that visual novel type thing, but I want some more interaction. Because I guess the thing for me, I, I've even mentioned it online kind of recently, but I feel like the only types of games I'm really interested in right now are visual novels, Japanese RPGs, whether they are turn-based or action, it doesn't matter to me. I'm really only interested right now in playing visual novels, Japanese RPGs, and Untitled Goose Game. Those are like the, the three types of games that I'm interested in right now. <laughs> um... Whether that's good or bad, I guess that's up to people to decide, but either way, Coffee Talk has been fantastic so far. Um, I think I'm a couple hours into that, and from what I've seen, it you can finish it within four or five hours, so I'll probably have that finished this week, but absolutely recommend it. Now, if you, do, if you want to do what I do, if you import it, it's going to cost like 50 bucks, but if you want to just 
play a uh, like a digital copy of it on the Switch eShop. It's like $13. And it's also on Steam as well too. The last thing, this is what made me decide I really liked it and wanted to get it and wanted to spend that money getting the physical copy. Uh, you can actually go to the developer's website and download a demo of it as well too. Not on the Switch, but on the PC. You can download demo. So I actually recommend, especially in this day and age since demos aren't really prevalent anymore, uh, download and try out that demo and see if you like it. And if it's your thing, you might want to pick it up. It's been great so far. Anyways, that's about all I have for this episode of Mario's Minute. So thank you all very much for listening and watching, however the hell you tune in. And let's go ahead and use, uh, I thought of this, let's use the word repair for our keyword. For anyone that doesn't know, this is a thing I like to do at the end of every single episode where I will pick a keyword. And if you use this keyword in a YouTube comment, in the YouTube upload of this, which is going to be on the Mr. Mario 2011 channel, I will know that you made it to the end of this. So I guess let me know if you made it to the end by using keyword repair in your comment. And I guess the main thing I'm also wanting to know as well too, kind of for some constructive feedback on this, would you all be interested in more video game store stories? Because if you are, I certainly wouldn't mind putting, again, like maybe one or two stories from my game store days in these episodes. I think it would be a really fun way to kind of reminisce and discuss and talk about these things and also reintroduce to a whole new audience that I did work at a game store. Yes, my, my, uh, wow. Yeah. I was going to say my knowledge of it is probably a bit outdated because it's now been nine years since I've worked at a game shop, but yeah, I don't know. It's still times, I, I, I still look back at it from time to time with, with fondness. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone, and until next time.